All right, folks, welcome back to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Sunday night as I am recording. Back from vacation, I, I went with my family to Las Vegas. We stayed at Mandalay Bay, had a pretty good time. Uh, I'm not much of a partier. I really wanted to go on vacation to relax. Probably wouldn't go to Las Vegas if, again if I were wanting to relax, but... It was good to get away for a little bit. Uh, I started off last week with an article about P.J. Dozier. You should all read that if you haven't yet. Uh, I, I urge you to do so. He's going to be important for Denver's rotation going forward. Uh, but that was the last thing I did. I didn't record any podcasts last week. Uh, got geared up and ready to go with the family. Uh, took care of a couple of errands, but spent some time by the pool. Gambled. Lost. Uh, as one does. And just overall had a good time. It was great to get away, great to do something different. And I'm feeling refreshed. I'm feeling ready to get back into the swing of things. And now we are in a great position, I think, where we can get back into the swing of things as Nuggets Nation. Uh, trying to get geared up for the season. Trying to figure out what the hell this season is going to bring. Uh, because we're pretty close. Tomorrow, Monday is going to be September 6th. The Nuggets will report to training camp September 28th. Media day is in three weeks. And we're now at that stage where it, it really does seem like things are moving very quickly. The season is just over a month away. We'll probably call it six weeks or so. And because of that, I think it's a good time to start getting back into the swing of things here. And we get to talk about what I've missed so far over the course of the last week, some things you've probably heard covered on other programs, some things may not have been covered. So I'm going to bounce around to a variety of different topics over the course of this first segment. And then for the bulk of the podcast segments two and three, going to go over 10 lineups that I am really excited to see. Uh, going to take it from a different perspective that maybe you've heard on different platforms, but I really think that this is going to be an important factor for Denver going into the season because they've geared up their roster such that they can play around with a variety of different combos. Uh, that wasn't the case this last year. They didn't have as much versatility, as much uh, variability. Now they can play around with a variety of different things, even without Jamal Murray. So going to be able to talk about that heading into segments two and three. But for now, Let's focus in on a couple of things that have happened. Uh, some Nuggets related, some non-Nuggets. Aaron Gordon news uh, and Michael Porter news, both via Mike Singer of the Denver Post. Shout out to him. He's been doing great work. Uh, the Aaron Gordon news kind of came out of nowhere. This was really on my first little bit of vacation time, and it came out that the Nuggets and Aaron Gordon are mutually interested in a contract extension. And I think that's a great thing. I think that if you're the Denver Nuggets, you didn't trade for Aaron Gordon unless you were interested in bringing him back. He is one of the very few players, I think, that in the entire NBA makes sense to sort of bind together Denver's core three of Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, Nikola Jokic. There are very few players, and I've gone through this exercise several times. You have your your star players like a Giannis or a Kawhi or... Uh, Anthony Davis or somebody like that who would make up the difference. You have guys like OG Ananobi who are just not really like available to, to be acquired for somebody like that. But Aaron Gordon was available at the right time, and he might not be the perfect player, but he is a really, really good fit. And that was really shown during the stretch of time where Jamal Murray was healthy. And, and I think that Denver should be gearing up for that period of time. There's no reason to think that Jamal Murray over the course of the end of this season, next season, and the seasons beyond can't get back to where he was uh, at the middle portion of this last season. And maybe even further, we've seen players like Zach Levine really elevate their game even after tearing their ACL. And that should be good news for Nuggets fans and good news for Murray, who is as dedicated and as much of a gamer as anybody out there. So he's going to continue to work it back. And 
Aaron Gordon should be a part of things. It would be great if he was a part of things, I think. He is very misunderstood in terms of what he can do on the basketball floor. Shot really poorly over the course of this last stretch with Denver. Other than the Portland series, he never really found his three-point shot. If he can ever do that, and I know it's been pretty much seven years that people have been asking that, but he has had stretches and segments where he's gotten up over 35%, 36%, 38%, and been competent back there. So if he were to get back to that, something that we saw Paul Millsap do later in his career, then there's probably a sweet spot where Denver can take advantage of the athleticism that he has, as well as the basketball IQ and the shooting stroke that he could potentially develop. And there are a lot of things that I think could really go into that. But one of which is just the chemistry that Denver is going to develop. We've seen Aaron Gordon be very happy about his his place in Denver, uh, his reactions in media scrums, his reactions post-game. Everything that has really come out about Aaron Gordon has said that he's really happy to be in Denver, to be in a place where the the game is a little bit simplified for him. And it, he doesn't need to be the superstar anymore. He can be a star in his own role and still make a hell of a lot of money while also winning. So he's had that opportunity to really figure that out. And I don't want to put words in his mouth or kind of misconstrue anything that could be going on, but it seems like he wants to be around. Denver wants him around. And if Denver is willing to pay, then there should be no real contest about what happens. The max contract that he can be given is just under $88 million over four years. I think that Denver, they probably won't go to that number. We've seen Denver in the past, they ask for certain concessions for the top contracts. With Jamal Murray, it was a full five years, no player option. Same thing with Nikola Jokic, and actually that was a slightly less number than a max. So they were able to sign Murray to a max as well. With Michael Porter, they're probably working on some of the same stuff. We'll get to that. But with Aaron Gordon, I wonder if they try to get him to take a little bit of a haircut. I talked about this on a previous pod. Uh, I'm sure that the episode is still around. I think the four years, 80 million, four years, 84 million. Sounds about right. You have an escalating contract. You don't want to do a too high of a number initially because you don't want the luxury tax bills to get too high initially and then force away other stuff. Uh, I think that Aaron Gordon, though, he should be a priority for Denver. And there's no reason to think otherwise. He was great in his time in Denver, misconstrued a little bit by being very limited against the Phoenix Suns, but Denver traded their best perimeter players for elite forward defenders, or an elite forward defender in Aaron Gordon, and they never got to face an elite forward. I think that if you're Denver, you want to wait and see what he can do against the LeBron Jameses, the Luka Doncic's, the Kawhi Leonard when he comes back, but in the meantime, Paul George. Like There are a lot of players that I think he could excel against that would really help Denver in a playoff series. So, let's see what happens there. But the MPJ news is also interesting. Uh, Mike Singer came out with an article today, actually, this Sunday, that basically said that Michael Porter, he was letting Mark Bartlestein, his agent, kind of do the work for him and, and said that he was focused on his game and focused on making specific developments and that he was comfortable. He was in a good spot and didn't want to worry about that as much. And Porter seems very genuine with that. I believe that. I think that he's probably letting Mark Bartlestein work, letting him do his magic. And I think Mark Bartlestein is going to do right by Porter. And he's not going to put him into a position where he hasn't locked up money. Porter deserves to lock up money. It's one of the reasons why I was very confused, why they didn't just give him the max initially. So Denver probably approached Mark Bartlestein with some concerns, and rather than just agreeing to those concerns initially, Bartlestein probably recommended Porter to wait, and Porter's very comfortable with that. So my guess on how this is going to go 
is that Porter is go- and, and Bartlestein are going to come back to the table. Things are going to come to a head before the season starts. It would shock me if Porter went into this off or went into the season without a contract extension. If he wants to be in Denver and Denver wants him here, and there's no real question about that, then I really do think that it's going to get done. I would be shocked if it didn't. And if that's the case, then we will see how Denver handles it going forward. Uh, if they if they don't get it done, then I'll be concerned. But call me back in if it's October 15th and Denver still hasn't gotten a contract done, then I'll be concerned. October 18th is the deadline. That is the day before the start of the season. So if you don't hear a Michael Porter Jr. or Aaron Gordon extension by, let's say, October 15th, it's not entirely over, but the clock is really ticking at that point. These kinds of extensions, usually what happens is they will, the clock will generally facilitate the deal getting done. So I would expect it around the, like I I predicted on Twitter, Aaron Gordon signs on October 8th. Michael Porter signs on October 10th. We'll see if that happens. Maybe they sign on both days or the same day. That would be pretty cool. You could tell that they're friends. You could tell they like playing with each other. And if they sign contracts on the same day, that would be a pretty interesting sign of solidarity. So we will see. Other Nuggets news. Nikola Jokic back in town. He looks great. Looks very athletic and in just excellent shape. And uh, hey, Second MVP run coming. If Murray is out for an extended period of time still, I still feel very comfortable that the MVP is in Denver, that he's going to help get Denver through everything. He didn't like getting swept by the Phoenix Suns, by a team that he probably thinks that Denver is better than at full strength. So he probably worked. Michael Porter probably worked. Aaron Gordon probably worked. Like, I I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. They are all very competitive. They all want to win. And Jokic is very competitive too. So he looks great. He looks in great shape. All the videos confirm that. It's uh, it's really interesting to see what he looks like in his prime. I, I did the Jokic podcast before I left uh, about a week and a half ago. Uh, he could go down as a one of the greatest players of all time. He has that kind of ceiling. Perhaps he realizes it. Perhaps he realizes that that's something that he wants. Uh, Just to be recognized by his peers, recognized by his country. Uh, Probably not by the fans. Like, I I don't know if he cares about that specifically, but we'll just have to see. Either way, looks great. It's always nice to see Jokic, your leader of the clubhouse, taking things as seriously as he does. Finally, on the Nuggets front, the two-way roster spot still hasn't been filled. I'm a little bit surprised that they haven't done it yet. You want to give somebody at least a little bit of an opportunity before uh, camp comes to to pass. So, got three weeks. My guess is that we probably hear some news on that front over the next week or two. It would shock me if they just brought somebody in off the street. Uh, Either way. They'll probably bring in a couple of training camp bodies, a couple, maybe another guard or two to bring in to compete against Bones Highland, to compete against Marcus Howard, to keep pushing those guys, perhaps another uh, center to try to fill in for Nikola Jokic, just in case he wants to take some time off in the preseason. Uh, We're going to have to see. I'm very curious. There's been speculation that it could be Peter Cornelie. I don't think that's going to happen, but maybe it does. Uh, it just seems like a a very close call now, uh, considering he's been playing abroad. Uh, so we'll see. Maybe they get somebody local. Not local, but like domestic. In non-Nuggets news, Ben Simmons. Uh, the saga is, is unsurprising in my eyes. They've been floating him around in trade rumors for the longest time starting with James Harden back at the beginning of last season. He played through that, was ostracized by the entire city of Philadelphia, and now it doesn't look like he's going to report to camp. I don't think the Nuggets would be involved in anything like that. You'd have to trade either Jamal Murray or Michael Porter and Aaron Gordon. 
and you wouldn't be able to sign either of them to extensions in order to do so. There's no other way to make the money work because Will Barton's money is tied up, Jermichael Green's money is tied up, Jeff Green's money is tied up. There's there's no other way. Uh, so because of that, I very much doubt that Ben Simmons is somebody that Nuggets fans should really consider here, but he could be going somewhere else. Uh, Rich Paul uh, with Clutch Sports, he is probably going to get him out of there, along with Tyrese Maxey, his other client, who's with Philly. Um, given the way that they've treated Ben Simmons in Philly, and like uh, he's been public enemy number one, even without asking for it, I'm not surprised that Rich Paul is trying to pull this card, trying to get his clients into a better position to succeed. He's never going to be the face of that franchise with Embiid there. Embiid being in the middle of the paint most of the time. Simmons is never going to be in an ideal role there. So getting him to a place where he would fit best, I think, makes sense. And the T-Wolves have always been at the top of my list in that regard. It just makes a lot of sense to pair him with Carl Anthony Towns, who will go down to the block, but is one of the best shooting bigs ever. Just very skilled, a great passer, great decision maker, needs help on the defensive end, and Ben Simmons can certainly uh, do that. Carl Anthony Towns can also kind of run some pick and roll, even as the ball handler, so there's some opportunities for 4-5 and 5-4 pick and rolls there. I'd love to see that. Um, and then Anthony Edwards can do all of the things that you need a guard could, to do. So as long as they don't trade him, they could trade D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Jaden McDaniels, whatever it takes. Like That would be the team at the top of my list for a Ben Simmons deal. Toronto's also been rumored heavily. A uh, friend of the program, Matt Moore, was the first one on that. Uh, the Kings have been rumored. They sort of make sense in terms of uh, trade some of their uh, talented but non-winning guards for a talented forward who may or may not be a winning player. I'm not sure, but should be interesting to see uh, as long as they don't trade De'Aaron Fox in that deal. If they could pair Fox and Simmons, like that's a great, great, great deal. So there's something to that. Toronto, I just, I just, I don't really see it because I don't think that they're going to be able to sell themselves on Pascal Siakam being that much of a downgrade from Ben from Ben Simmons, and I don't think that the Sixers would consider that to be fair value. Neither team's going to be happy with that. They're too like Masai Ujiri and and Daryl Morey coming to a deal just doesn't seem like a a really good idea. So Philly is on the clock here. Not sure what they're going to do. Not sure if a, a mystery buyer might come in there and try to snatch Ben Simmons away. Uh, whether it's the Warriors, whether it's the, I don't know, the Washington Wizards for Beal. Uh, there are a lot of things that I think could go sideways for the Sixers this season. And one of them is just Philly holding on to Simmons and not really having a plan to move forward if if everybody's unhappy with each other for the entire time. That's how you get Joel Embiid to demand out. That's how you get him to make ultimatums like it's him or me. And if if that's the case, then they will trade Simmons, but then you settle for a lesser package. You settle for a lesser deal, so not great. And then final two things before we hit a break here. Paul Millsap to the Nets. Uh, long live Paul Millsap. Paul effing Millsap. He's did a great job with Denver for the last four years. Time to move on. Time to for Denver to really change their roster. They needed the versatility that Jeff Green provides. Paul Millsap, more of a bigger body for the Nets, who don't really need the versatility that Jeff Green provides because they were just going to play him at the five anyway. So Paul Millsap can play there. He's probably a little bit of a better matchup against a guy like Joel Embiid, against a guy like... Maybe not Giannis, but just another body that you can throw in there and throw into the mix, at least for 15, 20 minutes a game. He'll probably come off the bench behind Blake Griffin, play next to Nick Claxton. Lamar Lamarcus Aldridge has also been rumored in that destination. Uh, we'll see what that happens. Uh, it probably will because it's the Nets and the Lakers are doing their thing with DeAndre Jordan. 
they seem to be loading up against Nikola Jokic with another center. Seems like uh seems like the Nets are loading up for Joel Embiid and Giannis, in all honesty. They want some bigger bodies. They want to be able to throw bodies at that guy and then trust their other skill players to be healthy. Same thing with the Lakers, with LeBron and AD and Russell Westbrook. We will see what those two teams do. It seems like a thing that will definitely bite them in the ass, but I'm not running their teams. Maybe it'll work. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to get into lineups for the Nuggets. We will be right back. back pickaxe and roll thank you so much for tuning in if you can it would be awesome if you could rate review subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify wherever you get your podcast it'll be great uh continuing to do this nuggets content continuing to put out a whole bunch of episodes i'm probably going to do three a week four a week over the course of the next six weeks in preparation for getting back into the five podcasts a week schedule that I was trying to uphold for the regular season, and I'm going to continue to do so this year. So it should be fun, should be good. Uh, Stepping it down over the offseason was great, but now I've got the fever. I'm excited to get back into it. should be a lot of fun. So let's get into some lineups. These are the lineups, and I want to approach this in a little bit of a different way. The Nuggets are kind of working through the lens of two different seasons. The first season is pre-Jamal Murray. It's when he's not in town. It's when he's not on the not available, not available to play. And the Nuggets have to survive. They have to establish their baseline. They have to their goal during this time should be to set up Jokic and MPJ for success in different ways, whether it's offensively, defensively, uh, allowing those guys to grow and allowing them to grow together. Uh, Jokic and MPJ, their chemistry. It has to go to the max level, as high as it can go. One of the great things about the Jokic-Murray two-man game is that those guys knew exactly what the other was going to do. Through years of playing together, all of the experience in the world, this is something that made the Nuggets formidable. They could go two-on-two in a lot of close game situations against opposing teams and feel really good. Denver should be trying to get Jokic and MPJ into that same level of chemistry. Then you figure out the other lineups from there. Stagger a little if need be, but most of the time, you want to see how high MPJ can take his game to. What level can he reach? Is he an all-star? Is he a superstar? Is he just a solid starter? I think I know the answer. I think that the sky's the limit for him. But in order to find out, you need to set them up for a good level of success. So with these five lineups, I think that Denver does that. The first is the starters. Monte Morris, Will Barton, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic. The great thing about Monte Morris is that he can slide into any lineup and be competent and be really good. He knows how to play on ball, off ball play solid defense within a team scheme, play good man-to-man defense. Depends on what he's asked to do, but most of the time when he's asked to do it, he is a good enough basketball player that he can get it done, even if it's not the ideal role for him. It's one of the reasons why he and Jamal Murray work so well together, why he and Nikola Jokic work so well together. It's why those guys trust each other, and it's why he was such a big missing piece during the Portland series when he was coming off the bench. I love this lineup. I think that it's going to be really good. I think that it sets Michael Porter up to be a great second option. You're going to want Nikola Jokic to be the driver of things. He's going to lead the team in usage rate. He's going to lead the team in assists. He's going to control everything. But his first read is probably going to be a pick and roll with either Monte, Will Barton, or Michael Porter. You set yourself up by having three guys that can really space the floor, and then Aaron Gordon, who can kind of float in between 
spacing the floor, or getting to the dunker spot, setting back screens, cutting, things like that. It's a really good starting unit, and it's good on both ends of the floor, probably not good enough defensively to really make an impact in a playoff series, but against the Charlotte Hornets, against the Chicago Bulls, against the Portland Trailblazers, should be good enough. Absolutely. So I really like that lineup. Second lineup, bench group, Faku Campazo, Austin Rivers, PJ Dozier, Jeff Green, and Jamichael Green. I have Austin Rivers in here ahead of Zeke Nagy. I think that Denver's best situation for their team, given that they play pretty big in their starting unit, with Barton at the two, Porter at the three, Gordon at the four, Jokic at the five. For their bench group, I think the best balance is going to be if they play three guards. P.J. Dozier is good enough and big enough that he can play the three and do some good things. He can switch, he can shoot, he can pass, he can dribble. He's going to do a lot of good things and be a good connecting piece for that bench unit. Jeff Green, same thing. He is one of the best possible pieces that Denver could have picked up for what they had to connect Michael Porter and Aaron Gordon. He's also 6'8 in that range. Really good outside shooter now. Really solid man-to-man defender. Also a really good switch defender. He knows how to handle a switching scheme. And I think this bench group, with Jermichael Green at the 5, PJ Dozier out there, Faku Campazo, they are going to be great switching. Austin Rivers, he's going to be great switching too. He's going to put up a fight. He's a veteran, knows how to do it. I think if you add Zeke Naji to the mix, you get a little bit too big to switch consistently. It's going to be pretty difficult when you have Jeff Green guarding threes most of the time. Jermichael Green now guarding fours instead of fives. And then Zeke Naji out there, pretty inexperienced, still trying to figure out his way. He will eventually get into that bench unit. I think there are going to be times, whether it's Jeff Green or Jermichael Green getting injured, whether it's Austin Rivers needing to take a break and maybe they need to go bigger. But for most teams, I think the three guards is the right way to go. Faku Campazo, he can lead that group. P.J. Dozier, look out for a big growth spurt from him. If he can become the necessary secondary ball handler, lead defensive player, and connecting piece for the bench and the starters, He's going to be a long-term piece for Denver. That's my belief. Three, third lineup, defense. Will Barton at the one, which you're probably thinking, what are you thinking, Ryan? What does that even mean? Why are you doing this? Let me finish. P.J. Dozier at the two, Jeff Green at the three, Aaron Gordon at the four, Nikola Jokic at the five. The goal of this lineup is to surround Nikola Jokic with players that are in the 6'5 to 6'8 range who can switch everything. It's one of the things that made Denver's starting unit with Jamal Murray really, really good. Now you take out Jamal Murray and insert P.J. Dozier, you should probably get even better. Take out Michael Porter, insert Jeff Green, should probably get even better. There's no reason to think that that five-man unit can't defend at the highest level. Nikola Jokic, he still has some weaknesses here or there, but a switching scheme one through four should really help simplify matters. And Aaron Gordon being the utility piece that he is, PJ Dozier being the utility piece, should really help. Will Barton stays out there, he runs point, and he and Nikola Jokic really captain things. PJ Dozier can handle the ball a little bit. He can do all of those things, and if he continues to grow, like I said, Going to be a pretty important piece. Add in Jeff Green, shot 41% from three with the Nets. Add in Aaron Gordon, who's still learning and still improving with the Nuggets. There's no reason to think that he can't improve as well. So I think that Denver can piece together some really interesting and really helpful defensive units that as long as they aren't facing Steph Curry with this group, they should probably be pretty good. If they're facing Steph Curry, you probably want Monte Morris out there. You probably want Faku Campazo out there. A couple guys who can chase him around, handle him. Not handle, but like stick with him. And just try to make his life a little bit difficult. But for the most part, 
against most defense or against most offenses, this defensive unit will really help. Number four, your offensive unit. This is where you get to open things up a little bit. Monte Morris, Bones Highland, Will Barton, Michael Porter, Nikola Jokic. Porter moves to the four in this case, opening up the floor even more for three guards that should be really, really good with Nikola Jokic. Monte Morris, give him that much space. There's no reason he can't handle any player out there. Bones Highland, this is his opportunity to shine. He gets an opportunity that if Monte gets the t- gets the toughest defender, Michael Porter probably gets the second toughest on the perimeter. Will Barton gets the third toughest. Bones Highland is going to go up against a guy who may not be very good on the defensive end. And then you still got Nikola Jokic to really create things. There's no reason why Bones Highland can't be successful on the offensive end with that group. You don't necessarily want to baby him. You don't necessarily want to surround him with a bunch of defensive guys and hope that he carries the offense. You'd love it so that he can just play his game offensively and then hope that the veterans around him can really guide him on the defensive end. You are, you are already probably going to suck defensively. If you go Porter at the four, Jokic at the five, Barton at the three, Morris at the one, you're probably already going to do that. But if Bones Highland is also out there, you know you're probably going to be bad, but there's no reason that any team should stop that unit. Bones should be a lethal shooter. Porter should be a lethal shooter. Morris, Barton, they're going to have driving lanes for days. And then Jokic can do what he does. No reason anybody can double team him. And then five. These are your alternate closers. Because I think during this time, the closing unit is going to be the starting unit. That would make the most sense, right? Monte, Will. Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic. These are your alternate closers. These are the guys that, in most cases, if you don't have a good game from the other starters, then maybe you can pivot. Will Barton, and it could also be Monte here, PJ Dozier, Michael Porter, Jeff Green, Nikola Jokic. This is a game for, hey, Aaron Gordon hasn't had his game go well, three of nine, five turnovers, things aren't great, but they need a win. And Jeff Green's been playing well. Just let him run the let him run with the starters. Let PJ run with the starters for defensive purposes. Throw out Will for more pick and roll stuff. And also have Michael Porter and Jokic. That is the best way. And it could be Monte for, for Will, by the way. That is probably the best way for Denver to continue to get wins, even if Things aren't going well, even if the starting unit is struggling a bit. You know you're going to want Jokic and MPJ out there. You're probably going to want Will out there too, because he's really good in the clutch. He knows how to operate. He's going to make the right decision. And when it's time for Jokic or Michael Porter, it's time for those guys to make plays, Barton will do so happily. He will make the right decision. Guarantee it. This would be a great opportunity, I think, for Jokic and Porter to start working on their chemistry in the toughest of tough situations. Make sure they know exactly what they're doing. Maybe it's just get the ball to Jokic and let him go to work. That you surround him with guys that can hit shots on the outside or cut. Pretty good setup, I think. The great thing about this team, even without Murray, is that it has optionality. I think that P.J. Dozier and Jeff Jeff Green are going to be key for being good in all of these situations because they provide such good connectivity. P.J. Dozier is that 6'6", 6'7", wing that every team wants. The guy that can handle the ball. The guy that can do things. The guy that plays great defense and is one of the best team defenders out there. If he continues to grow, if he continues to improve, There's no reason why he can't have a 20-plus minute-per-game role again with Denver, because he did last year. Small guards, wing options, going small, going big. This team has a lot of different ways that they can go. And then your last priority, should it be available, is get Bones Highland, Zeke Naji, maybe even Bull Bull. Get them some minutes where they can be had. Give those guys an opportunity to show what they can do. 
to improve their game. And if it's in a blowout, then great. If it's in a situation where you've got players on your roster that need rest, that need just that extra day, that they're in the red, their energy levels aren't good, there should be no reason without Jamal Murray around that you shouldn't just give Austin Rivers the day off, give Jamichael Green the day off, give Jeff Green the day off, Michael Porter even. Like, if you don't want, if you don't want to overwork him, he's going to be the second option all year. Maybe give him the day off every now and then. Nikola Jokic, maybe give him the day. There's no reason why you can't go young, too. Let's take our final break. When we come back, we are going to talk about five lineups after Jamal Murray returns. These are lineups that are going to help Denver win a title. We'll be right back. Final segment here. Let's get into it. Assuming that Denver has already established their baseline, they already know who they are without Jamal Murray. They've played 50, 60 games without him, and they're still in pretty good position. They're in fourth place, sixth place, second place. Things have gone really well. Eighth place. Oh man, they really need a boost. Doesn't even matter. Doesn't matter what the standing is, as long as you're not in danger of, like, even if you're in danger of getting into the play-in, this is about getting healthy. This year is about getting healthy, getting Murray back, and then you see what you can do from there. If he's back, if he's healthy, then your goal is to win a title. And these are the lineups that are going to help you do it. The goal of this is to prep for the playoffs, to figure out what Murray can handle with Jokic and the starters. I don't think that you should be having Murray run with the bench while he's coming back and getting into himself. Well, he's trying to figure out what he can and can't do. Best thing you can do. Let Michael Porter carry the non-Jokic units. Let him do what he does best. Go score. If you've got Monte Morris back, he can help set the table for the bench during that time. Give him Michael Porter as well. Let them run a nine-man unit. And let's see what Denver can really do. So let's talk about it. Starters. Jamal Murray. Will Barton. Michael Porter. Aaron Gordon. Nikola Jokic. This is the vision that Denver had. This is what Denver was working towards. And it's what I want to see. I really, really want to see this unit do work. There's no reason why they can't. There's no reason why they shouldn't dominate the regular teams. And Jamal Murray, even if he's not up to bubble Jamal Murray standards, up to what he was doing in March, February of this last year, even if he's not doing that, if he's just being a solid third option, 16 to 19 points, five assists, good efficiency, if he's doing that, then you're good. Because the hope, because of the previous baseline period, is that Michael Porter's probably averaging about, what, 24, 25 points a night? There's no reason why he can't do that. And there's no reason why he still can't do that, even when Murray comes back. And there's going to be ways to help him get that done. There's going to be ways to help him continue to break out. Even when Denver's old core comes back together. And that leads to the second unit, the bench unit, Monte Morris, P.J. Dozier, Michael Porter, Jeff Green, and Jermichael Green. This is the vision. This is why Jeff Green matters, because with this bench unit, when Jamal Murray returns, Monte Morris goes back to the bench. He's a stud, one of the best backup point guards in the entire league, P.J. Dozier, one of the most connective players on this Nuggets team with the ability to do some good things on the offensive and defensive end. Jeff Green, same thing. It's what Denver brought him in to do. He's going to be able to do it on the offensive and defensive end in much of the same way. And Jermichael Green, 
you saw what he did in the playoffs. You saw what he was able to do against some really good teams. If he has his role simplified, he's averaging 15, 18 minutes a night, backing up Nikola Jokic, maybe playing a little bit next to him. There's no reason in my mind why Jermichael Green can't be the pivot piece of a five-out unit. But that's where Michael Porter comes in. Because one of the things that the bench unit last year really ran into down the stretch was that without Jamal Murray to sort of rotate in with the second unit, they lost a lot of gas. They lost a lot of ability to create offense. Sometimes even with Jamal Murray out there, they really struggled. This is where Michael Porter comes in. If he is the scorer that you believe him to be, if he's the scorer that can break out, do some ball handling, be the elite shooter that he always is, but also kind of dominate in a variety of other ways, then that should be a really good unit, full stop, even if it's going up against other starters. There should be no reason why a lineup that features Monte Morris, who's probably been, who's probably been averaging about 28 to 30 minutes a game for most of the year, why Michael Porter, who's probably been averaging 32 to 34 minutes a night and 24 points per game. And then Jeff Green, who just came off averaging 27 minutes a night, starting a bunch of games for the Brooklyn Nets, being the perfect kind of pivot piece for a title for them. There's no reason why that group, along with P.J. Dozier and Jermichael Green, can't dominate, even when Jokic is off the floor, even when Murray is off the floor. I trust that group. I really do. Number three, this lineup, and this is the eighth total lineup. This is the Suns counter. This is where Denver ran into trouble against the Suns. It's where they weren't able to figure it out. It's why they weren't able to figure it out against a really, really good team who I don't think was great, but Denver just didn't have their ultimate answer, which was Jamal Murray. Play him next to P.J. Dozier for defensive purposes. Will Barton slides to the three, Michael Porter at the four, and Jokic. You won't always be able to do this because Aaron Gordon, if you re-sign him, if you commit to him, you don't always want to bench him in these situations. And maybe the situation that you really run into is maybe bench Michael Porter in these situations because if Chris Paul and Devin Booker and even Mikhail Bridges and Jay Crowder if they are going to keep hunting Michael Porter in those situations, that's going to really hurt Denver. Denver's already struggling in a variety of other ways, but the one thing they can do to really counter what the Suns do is to spread them out, make them guard Denver, make them guard the Murray-Jokic pick and roll, force them to choose who to come off of, whether it's P.J. Dozier, Will Barton, Michael Porter. It'll probably be P.J. Dozier, but in that case, you put him in the short corner. You put him in situations where he doesn't necessarily impact the spacing as much. Or if he breaks out the way Nuggets fans want him to, the way that I think he can, and he's averaging 38% from three, that maybe he can't come off him. Maybe he can't come off anybody. And that is the secret. The secret to countering the Suns is to make them work as hard as Denver was working just to keep up with them. Because the harder the Suns have to work on the defensive end, the less effective they will be on the offensive end. That is what the Milwaukee Bucks proved. That is what the Lakers were in the process of proving. And that is what the Nuggets can do. Full stop. Number four, the Los Angeles Lakers counter. This is what happens when LeBron James and Anthony Davis are really, really good. And Denver still probably doesn't have a great answer for that tandem. Russell Westbrook, they can figure out. If that means that if you have to have Jamal Murray guard Russell Westbrook, if you have to have P.J. Dozier guard Russell Westbrook, you can do that. But for the LeBron and AD, Michael Porter and Nikola Jokic have to be out there for Denver. It doesn't mean they have to guard them all the time. The Lakers counter lineup, Jamal Murray at the one, Porter at the two, Jeff Green at the three, Aaron Gordon at the four, 
Nikola Jokic at the five. This is the way for Denver to get going with their trio. You keep your star trio out there, and you force the Lakers to guard you. You force them to figure out how in the hell they are going to guard Murray and Jokic. Oh, and then Porter at the two. Like, how does anybody plan on guarding those guys? And you could say, okay, let's just have the shooting guard, whoever it is, guard Aaron Gordon. Well, that's the way for Denver to get those back cuts. That's the way for them to improve the overall efficiency of their offense against a team like the Lakers. When they can force those mismatches without having to work, they can figure that out. They can do that. The real question is whether they can guard LeBron and AD while there's another center out there. Whether they can keep up. I think that they can. I think if you put Jeff Green and Aaron Gordon on LeBron and AD, it sounds pretty bad when you say it like that. But if that happens, it is what it is. If you have Anthony Davis at the five, you just have Jokic guard him, and you have two other options that can guard LeBron James. And you have a bunch of length on the floor that can really help crowd the passing lanes. That should be the goal. That should be the way to get it done. It's not perfect. You're probably going to still have to just outscore them. But if you keep Murray, Porter, and Jokic on the floor, you give them good spacing with Jeff Green. If you give a good cutter with Aaron Gordon, there should be no reason why Denver can't keep up. Because they are that talented. They are good. Gotta act like it. Gotta treat it like that. And then number five. This is the fun future lineup. This is so you continue to work towards a title, but with the goal of developing your young pieces. Jamal Murray, Bones Highland, Michael Porter, Zeke Naji, Nikola Jokic. This lineup may not play. This lineup may not be able to get out there. There might be some times where Denver, if they're playing this lineup, they might actually lose some minutes because your defense isn't going to be that great. And you're trying to figure out how to play a rookie and a sophomore, as well as Michael Porter. Just trying to figure out how to fit into a lineup that also features a Jamal Murray that's coming back from injury. But Jokic can do a lot, and he can do a lot with talent. And the thing about the future lineup is that all of these guys should technically be able to play with Jokic in a variety of ways. Zeke Naji. There's no reason he can't be running the baseline. There's no reason he can't be establishing high lows, establishing being a perimeter jump shooter. When Jokic is out there, when he's doing his thing at the elbow, in the post, at the top of the key, whatever. Najee should be a good fit. He has the body type. He has the ability. And if you're facing a player like Giannis, like Anthony Davis, might not be a bad idea to have Najee out there because he's physical, he's strong. If you give him some confidence, give him some experience, then maybe he can make it work. Same thing with Bones. One of the great things about Zeke Naji last year was he entered the season and played his role and did a really good job with that. Perhaps Bones can do the same thing. If he's out there with a bunch of really, really talented offensive players, maybe he just runs the floor, finds his spots learns how to cut, learns how to fill in the gaps, and then can continue to develop his other skills while he's doing so and still be a helpful player. If he's shooting 40% on catch-and-shoot threes, that makes him helpful. If he's back-cutting and keeping defenses honest, even when Murray, Porter, and Jokic are all out there, if you have to account for Bones too, it's going to make it really difficult for teams to figure that out. There's a lot of different ways that Denver can use those two. And it's going to be difficult when Murray comes back to find the right amount of time. But the goal should be to find some time. The goal should be to get them out there and to get even bull bull, to get those guys out there on occasion. The great thing about this team with Murray is that there's just so much firepower everywhere. 
even if Murray doesn't come back to being a second option. Like I said, he can be a third option. There's no reason that Porter can't be second or even first. Will Barton moving down to four? That's great for him. Gordon moving down to five? That's great. Those guys are overqualified for those roles. And Monte Morris, if he proves that he can handle being a starter, then when Murray comes back, he's an overqualified sixth man. Jeff Green, he moves down to seventh or eighth man. P.J. Dozier, same thing. Jamichael Green, same thing. Everything sort of falls into place when Murray comes back. You don't have to have as much optionality because you just have a bunch of talented players. And then no matter what they do, they're going to be good because Jokic, he's in his prime. Porter, he's just breaking out. And Murray, you already know what Murray is. All three of those guys are capable of averaging 25-plus points per game for long stretches of time. There is no doubt in my mind. They might all average 20 per game this season. Murray might do that when he gets back. There's no reason to think that he won't be ready. Denver's goal in the course of this lead-up, other than getting Murray back and getting ready to go, get Will Barton and Aaron Gordon a little bit of a break before the playoffs. You want them to be rested, ready to go. They make the team viable for the playoffs because they give them some optionality. See what Dozier, Jeff Green, see what those guys can do with the three main pieces to improve that team versatility, to make it work. I think that Denver can do some great things. There's a lot of great lineups to think about, a lot of fun lineups to think about. If I mention, if I didn't mention one that you really like, let me know what it is. Let me hear you. Let me hear what you have to say. Love to get some camaraderie back into this podcast. Should be great. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I will be back on Wednesday, hopefully with a special guest to really bounce around the league, preview some of the moves that happened over the course of the offseason that maybe folks don't really remember, and we're going to get into talking about a lot of teams. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Should be a lot of fun being back. I'm glad to be here. Everybody, talk to you very soon. Bye.